Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, Black Widow. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And requisite spoiler warning here, we are going to be talking about the theatrical movie, Black Widow, that has just been released. Very exciting. So if you haven't seen it in the theaters or on Disney Plus with premier access, go do that right now and then come back here because we're going to spoil the heck out of it. But a little bit of background first. It was directed by Kate Shortland, written by Eric Pearson from a story by Jack Schaefer and Ned Benson. And this movie has been in development forever. Basically our entire lives at this point, I think. Yeah. Because we're yes. 15 years old or so. It's how uh. I mark time. I'm like, <laughs> I'm one Black Widow old. Yeah, yes. exactly. Well, it was one of the movies that was in development for a real long time, even before the MCU, of course, uh, but got in development in earnest and has been asked for pretty much since Scarlett Johansson's first appearance as Black Widow in Iron Man 2. Fans have been demanding it for years. And finally, it was supposed to come out in May 1st, 2020. But of course, COVID delayed it three times. And now finally, it's coming out July 9th, 2021. So this has been a long, long journey for this movie before we get into it all the easter eggs and all the secrets and breaking down the actors and the big moments broad strokes what'd you think pete how did it hold up after all this anticipation uh you know saying uh Black Widow solo title and then saying broad. I don't think that mixes as well. So sorry dame dame strokes (laughs) there you go thank you yeah um gams up to here strokes a wooga a wooga I'm, I'm finally got a Black Widow movie. I cannot complain. This is something I've wanted for a very long time. Um, and yeah, yeah, the uh, it's unbelievable action. We kind of got the Red Room story, which we've all kind of thought was going to be the case. Why wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. It was, uh, you know, it was a long overdue, but thank you for finally giving us this movie. You're welcome, first of all. Justin, yeah. what about you? Um, just so many thank yous. Uh, I, you know, this movie was so much more of an ensemble that I, Mm -hmm. um, obviously there was a lot of casting news leading up to this, but I didn't think it was going to be this much of an ensemble and this much of an even handed Black Widow story from our old Black Widow and what we assume is our new Black Widow. I agree. That was to me. Oh, I'm dying. I'm just getting like very choked up about the thought of a Black Widow movie so after happy, so right? long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just all this happiness. Uh, I love the ensemble. First of all, that was uh, hands down my favorite part of the movie. I thought they were great. I really enjoyed them all working together. Enjoyed the family aspects of the movie. But yeah. my one quibble that I know Pete's going to yell at me right off is I felt like Black Widow herself was a little underserved by the movie. Like she got some good stuff to do, but because it was this team movie. I didn't quite get all I wanted out of it, you know, and particularly when it comes to Black Widow, when it comes to Natasha Romanoff, when it comes to Scarlett Johansson. 
Yeah, I mean, I I hear what you're saying. You know, they do uh, give a lot of screen time to other people in this finally Black Widow movie. Uh, that's a fair fair criticism. Um, you know, you want Black Widow in the Black Widow movie, but I also really it's thought one of like, the big prerequisites. I really was yeah. also hoping we would get to see her. To me, like her, her best is like really kind of pushing people to get what they want. The way she can kind of like talk to people and kind of like grill people has been such a cool aspect of this character. Like her showdown with Loki. You know what I mean? The fact that she can communicate with Hulk and has her own language. Like I really <laughs> wanted to kind of get a little bit more of that. But other than that, I, I uh, you know, I can't complain. Real quick, which language was it? It was the Nell language, right, from the movie Nell? Yeah, wow. Oh, you nailed it. First, first guess, and you oh, nailed chick-a-pee. it. They've really brought Nell into the universe in a way I didn't mm-hmm. anticipate. Who yeah, do you yeah. think she's going to be in the next, in the multiverse of madness? I think she's going to join Thunderbolts, honestly. I think we're going to see smart. Val show up at Nell's house smart. and ask her to join up. That's, <laughs> that's the dream. Mm-hmm. Light that up, fan base. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I agree with you, Alex, that it, it is... It does feel like we're sort of like, oh, only because our expectations were what they were. Um, But as far as um, this being a pivot point in the MCU, I think that's they did a huge, great job with that, like setting up Yelena as the new Black Mm -hmm. Widow and giving her like we know her now. Like Mm -hmm. this movie was less of like the send off to Nat and more of just like the, the passing of the torch. Yeah. And I thought she was great. Florence Pugh, right. yeah. favorite part of the movie. So much fun. So much life to her. So just the action was great. The character was great. It feels different from Natasha. And she's somebody, to your point, that I'm very excited to follow, as we'll get to probably towards the end of the podcast, directly into a Disney Plus series next, if not somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, the... And then the rest of the ensemble cast was just great too. Like uh, the very uh, the Americans style um, yeah, setup yeah. of it all. I was could I did not see that coming, and that was very fun and very sort yeah, of the direct. worst dad ever was so enjoyable and so well casted. And the moment he had where he was like, "Look at you, top assassin! I'm so proud!" Like hysterical, absolutely hysterical. It was very funny. The movie was very yeah. funny, which I did not mm-hmm. expect at all. I thought it was going to be pretty. Like born identity style action where it was just like Which, racing in between different things. And there was, but the tone I thought was like to combine that sort of spy thriller with a larger cast and have it be like funny and sort of weird throughout. Like that's with it take Marvel just, sprinkled a little bit of what they're good at in there. Little magic Marvel dust yeah, on there. Yeah, and yeah. superhero team as family, you know, that's what the Fantastic Four is. And we got to see that here in a totally different way, sort of like the more fucked up family version. And I thought it really worked. Well, what's very interesting is like we have this very, very much like this is all about family. And then also came out the same time as Fast and the Furious F9, which is also very Thank you for using the correct name of the movie, Pete. I was about to get very upset. Oh, F9 is short for Fast and the Furious? That's crazy. I believe it's actually called F9 colon the Fast Saga, but whatever you want to call it. Okay. All right. I'm curious, which F is the F9? Is it the Fast or the Furious? Guys, you're missing the point. Big questions. there's a really tiny F inside Big the other family F, so is pushing bubbly. us hard right now. And nobody's noticing. Oh, the F is it's family nine. F That's is for family. family. Yeah, it's a sneak campaign for F is for family on Netflix. That's yeah. what it is. Wow. This yeah. whole thing. That's when you're spending the Check big it out, money. Man. 
Yeah. Which family would you rather be a part of? Um, the F9 family or the Black Widow family? I don't know. I mean, Corona is delicious, so I might have to go with F9 on this. Bad time to be saying that, but uh, I understand. Oh. <laughs> right. Yep. Okay. Let's see what I did. I F9 family. Just to answer the wrong, question. Wrong. Absolutely <laughs> wrong answer. Absolutely. You'd be, no, you want to be part of the Black Widow family? Yeah. They I, rip out your uterus. I don't know, man. It's not a good thing to do. Uh, well, let me say they seem to have they have a lovely dinner parties. I feel like they really get each other. F nine, I don't want to. I'm more of a passenger. I don't want to drive. Sure. Uh, well, the question is, do you want to go to space, which passenger. is the F nine family, or do you almost want to go to space, which is the Black Widow family? Yeah. Yeah, I just want to get close to space. Oh, I'm pretty okay. close now, just on Earth, and I'll get a yeah. little closer down again. Yeah. You're no Bezos. Yeah. I'm no Bezos. I'm in the space race, though. It's me, Bezos, Branson. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I've been a little lazy yeah. about it. Oh, okay. I don't have any rocket planned yet. I'm, I'm sort of saving it for Do right up to... Do you still have that to... model you built in your backyard? Yes, I have the... I, the okay. plan is in place. I just okay. need the right amount of dynamite. I'm sort of wily coyoting it. <laughs> Smart. I'm, Smart. Yeah. To get back to the family dynamic, I agree with you. I thought that was so well done. I loved the scene at the dinner table. It was an obvious touch, but just such a smart little touch that they all sat down in the same places that they sat when they were yeah. uh, younger. And that's such a family thing to do. I don't oh, know yeah. why that happens. I don't know why psychologically everybody chooses the same plates and you, places and you do it at home. You do it at a restaurant. You do wherever you go. Always sit in the same order. Yeah. Really? It's funny. Wait, I'm trying do you to guys think not do that? I do I don't that. think so. Hmm. No, it's I don't think I do. Well, interesting. You like to shake it up a little bit? Oh, exactly. sitting in Sometimes I'm like, I'm sitting in the center of the table. We're a family like that. Whoa. I was trying to one-up each other. I legitimately, every time I go home and visit my parents, it isn't even a conscious thing. If I'm there and my brother is there and my parents are there, we sit in these same exact places that we and, sat when we were yeah. kids. They're yeah. like, Alex, that's a high chair. You need to grow up. <laughs> and but his then, little feet, they swing in. He yeah, has my fun. feet swing, yeah. and I get yeah. to say, feed me baba, and uh, then my mommy feeds me baba. Oh, wow. I got weird. Now, now it's, I sort of understand a lot of the fetishes you've display, <laughs> put on display yeah. for us. It's all about family, you know? Oh, boy. Yeah. That's oh, the family man. you want to be a part of. <laughs> The dynamic was great here. David Harbour was great. Rachel Weisz was yeah. great. Rachel Weisz was sneakily funny in the movie, which I was yes. very surprised about. Yeah. Um, her character was much weirder than I very expected. Very weird. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think a lot of that was her delivery of the lines, which I really liked. But it was it it was fun. It was fun to watch. And I think not to keep harping on the same thing, but maybe part of the reason that Scarlett Johansson didn't really pop for me is she was the straight man of the movie. Everybody else got to be funny and weird. And she was the one saying, okay, we got to get down to business. We got to attack the red room. We got to do these things. And then they get to spiral off in other directions. Well, and I think that's a function of a little bit of where this movie has fallen in the, in the whole run of the MCU where it's like, She's dead. So it's like, she's sort of like, I got to finish up these couple of things. And then mm-hmm. everyone else is like, oh, I'm fun. I'm part of this movie. Great. And she's like, I'm out of this. This is later. I just need to get my homework oh, done and then I'm going to college. And all the rest of the people are just getting into high school. Yeah, they're new. They get to be in they're more new. movies. She gets to be in less movies. Aww. That's 100% true. Potentially. What did you think about the placement in the timeline? Because I, I'm really sorry to feel like a dissenting opinion here, but... I also did not love how this felt like 
this felt like the almost one of the least standalone Marvel movies to me because it started right after Civil War, went right into Infinity War. There were a bunch mm-hmm. of other things you need to know just about Black Widow, things that you need to remember from Avengers and other things. It's not too difficult. It's not too deep of a dive. But it certainly, to me, felt like a deeper dive than usual for a Marvel movie. Huh. Well, and I agree with you because it felt like it wasn't essential, all the things they were referencing. Yeah, they just kept like, saying, yeah. like, they kept bringing it up. It was like... It felt like almost like a product placement of all these other Marvel movies when it's like, just tell the story. We don't need to have it be constantly reminded like, oh, remember, we just came from here and now I have to go deal with this other stuff in the future. It's like, we know all about that. Just tell Mm -hmm. them this story. I mean, the big question out of Infinity War that I think everybody had was how did Natasha get her vest? And then we finally found out by the end of the movie. So exactly. That was satisfying. Pockets. Uh, I love the pocket discussion. I mean, that's mm -hmm. just fun. Yeah. yeah, that was fun. Again, that comes back to Florence Pugh just having a great time. The best bit in the movie, in my mind, was the Natasha Black Widow pose thing. Oh, yeah. The yeah, so the fun. gas station and she sort of reached so down and can't quite bend that way. So funny. Yeah. Very and fun. then she tries to do it. Yeah, that's fun. And she's just like, this is ridiculous. I want to give a shout out to early in the movie, the Arya knife drop move that um, that Yelena does mm-hmm. uh, was dope. That yeah. was very cool. Pete, what was your favorite bit in the movie? Uh, I mean, it's tough. I really um, I really liked a lot of the kind of like the horrible dad bits. You know what I mean? Where he was like, what? Uh, no, I do for this for you. Come on. And uh, he's like, suit still fits. You know, like that kind of stuff was very, very in- uh, enjoyable. And um the just kind of his reality versus their reality was uh, kind of like just uh, a fun kind of go to moment. Uh, but yeah, I I um I don't know I kind of felt like the the bit that I called out earlier was my favorite bit. So you know, oh, don't specify which one that was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just no, real actually... heads will go. Real heads will go back and listen to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Hang on, every Pete's every word. Great. Uh, David Harbour was really good in this movie. Yeah. I enjoyed him quite a bit. The just assassin to get back to bit the... where uh, he was like, I'm so proud of you. Look at you, top assassin. You mm-hmm. kill anybody you want. That bit was my favorite. Uh, fun little fact that folks may or may not know. So he, of course, plays Chief Hopper in Stranger Things. And spoiler for the end of the last season of Stranger Things. But he died quote unquote, oh, wow. but is going to end up in Stranger Things season four, turn up in a Russian prison. And apparently because he was in a Russian prison in both things, he talked to the Stranger Things folks and said they originally wanted him to have the scraggly beard and the loose hair and be dressed that way. And he said, no, I can't do that. Be in two Russian prisons with exactly the same haircut and exactly the same character. So in Stranger Things, they actually shaved his head, shaved his beard, everything, just so at least visually he'd look a little bit different. Which yeah, because I, I would mean, just keep thinking Again, it was an extension of uh, Black Yeah, Widow he does use it. a Russian accent in Stranger Things, though. Smart. I got Smart. it. That's such a funny complaint uh, as yeah. an actor to be like, I can't be scraggly twice. Um, <laughs> as if in this Stranger back Things, back Russian, scraggly. Yeah. Huge. Uh, Lawrence Olivier said, never scraggle twice. Yeah, never um, go full scraggle. He, well, I do he was wonder, in that part. 
I, I do wonder if they were going to be released closer to each other if COVID hadn't happened, because Black Widow ostensibly should have come out in 2020. Stranger Things 4, we don't know, but they got massively delayed by COVID as well. So it's possible it might have been more than an issue. Now Stranger yeah. Things 4 is going to come out whenever. We don't yeah. even know. Man, when you said like, oh, yeah, he died at the end of the last season, I was like, wow, that feels like 100 years ago. That was <laughs> so long ago when we were talking about that. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to get back and talk about the opening sequence because I agree. I thought that was so well done. And uh, just the way that was shot, the way that it set everything up, like you were saying, the Americans nature of it, the family nature of it, uh, the way they subtly told us who everybody was without necessarily telling us uh, was very nice and setting up that family dynamic. Uh, go ahead, it was Justin. really scary. It was like, uh, it, like it was stressful. And I, in yeah. general, sort of the look of the movie, less glossy, a little murkier, felt like very much like Red Ledger shit um, throughout the whole the whole movie. Which I always give it up to Marvel for being able to find enough variation in each of their movies so that they feel different and specific, while also still maintaining the overall tone. Pete, how did that beginning strike you? I thought it was badass. I loved it. I mean, it was just a cool start to see, like, where we're going to kind of come back to later and this kind of, like, fake family. I don't know if you guys had, like, real parents or fake uh, KGB mm. parents, but, fake. you know, sometimes, yeah, fake. sometimes you don't get to pick and, uh, you know, you it's hang a, well, on I, to what you, for, what you get. For me, it wasn't Russian. It was Canadian. Oh, that's tough. That's and I tough. did get to pick. I was the... <laughs> <laughs> leader of the spy program. So. Oh, wow. Did they call you a hoser a lot, or what was it? What you was were sort of difference? the boss baby, the boss baby of spies, right? You're like, mm-hmm. that's was, my mama? Baba? Baba, baba? Baba, mama? Yeah. Alex has been babified a lot in this episode. Um, sure have. He must be really enjoying I'm, I'm a real boss baby back in business, you know? Oh, my God. The beauty of being in a Canadian prison is it's, yeah. you take it really taken care of. <laughs> Scraggly is not a problem. It's a Tim Hortons, right? Is Canadian oh, prison. Oh, <laughs> yeah, little known fact, there are no prisons in Canada. You just make the coffee and donuts at Tim Hortons. Yeah, oh. you got to make it. That's rough, man. I did want to mention something about the timeline here because it is very specifically set in 1995 uh, yep. in the MCU timeline. And this is a bad year to be a daughter in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, the other things that happened in the same year in 1995. So I don't know if you guys remember in uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, Nick Fury. Actually, I think it's Alexander Pierce tells a story about his daughter being taken hostage in Bogota and Nick Fury saved his daughter. That happened in 1995. Also, mm-hmm. the entirety of Captain Marvel happened in 1995. Mm, uh, Thanos wiped out Gamora's planet and adopted Gamora in 1995. And the last one in Ant-Man and the Wasp, we find out that Ghost got orphaned after her dad exploded the quantum tunnel and Bill Foster adopted her also in 1995. So interesting. Tough, tough year. It's very funny to me to be like uh, Thanos was adopting Gamora and killing her planet while like Third Eye Blind was playing. (laughs) (laughs) So it was happening in 1995. It's like, oh, yeah, uh, I was listening to Jumper and then Flagpole Sitta came on right after. <laughs> I think Semi-Charm Kind of Life was based on Gamora because she, her entire planet gets wiped out, but she gets adopted by Thanos, which is pretty cool. And she gets a sweet knife. Yeah, 100%. I mean, which is really, if you listen to the lyrics of the, the first Third Eye Blind album, a lot of them are about uh, <laughs> the, yeah. the 
Thanos oh, one more weird. doomed thing that happens in 1995. Betty Ross and Bruce Banner met at Harvard and started dating in that Ooh, year. It doesn't wow. have to do with daughters necessarily, but, you know, mm. that's when that happened. She's a daughter. Mm-hmm. Think about it. So Think I really like the beginning, and I thought the first... No, I hate when you say that because that means... No, 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 no. I didn't have a problem with it. I'm going to be very specific because Pete does not like it when I break things into halves. I Mm. like the second half of the movie. I had a blast throughout. I had a lot of fun watching it. It was very enjoyable. Um, The first half was so propulsive. Like, it did not stop for about 45 minutes. I think they were really going for that Bourne energy with the action. Uh, It felt much more bone crunching and like nonstop and a little more adult than a lot of the Marvel movies. I know they look to winter soldier as a inspiration, but really it definitely felt more like that born style thing. Born. I think we talked about um, the Americans and I, mm-hmm. the other comparison I had was like a doubled up killing Eve. It's like mm-hmm. killing Eve, but mm-hmm. two Eves, um, which I thought <laughs> uh, was cool. Yeah, wait, two villanelles. Eve is Sorry, two villanelles. Yes, 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 that's what I mean. That's fine. I've made that mistake before as well. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I thought that was great. The other thing that I thought was interesting, there was Natasha, when she's in her trailer and hiding out, she's watching Bond. I think maybe it was The Spy Who Loved Me, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, Yes. Wow. I think you're right. I thought I wrote that down. It was, I thought... I thought I saw what's his name Jaws in it, and he's in yeah. two yeah, of the yeah. movies. Jaws, yeah, but uh, I like that as a reference, and it bummed me out a little bit. This is definitely jumping ahead to the edge of the podcast, but it bummed me out because it felt like they were thinking about this as Black Widow's James Bond movie, down to the big explosive finale on the super villains base and all of that, and it made me want more Black Widow movies. Like I wanted them to be like a Bond franchise where she gets into these things every time, but I don't think we're ever necessarily going to get that. It is crazy to start your Bond franchise by being like, and now this one's James Bond. (laughs) (laughs) Usually the whole thing is you build up the character a little bit and then pass the torch once they're too old. It's like Roger Moore being in the movie, and then at the end of the movie, Daniel Craig shows up. Wow. Yeah. Oh, badass. Yeah. Roger Moore, the James Bond who barely moved. He has, was he could barely, he oh, could man. do one little chop. Uh, was his only fight move. Have you watched those Roger Moore James Bonds lately? Not recently. They're, they're great, but he truly, he's very suave, does not fight at all. He barely, <laughs> can barely throw a punch. Wow. Best Bond, real quick. I mean, I think at this point it's got to be, Casino Royale is one of the best. Yeah, I would um, say so. Craig is is up there, but I will. I all growing up, I, we watched those James Bond movies every holiday, and wow. loved them. Um, so Roger Moore is right up there because those are the weirder ones, the Roger yeah. Moore ones. That's Roger Moore was Moonraker, right? Uh, yes, I believe that so. movie is crazy. It, truly, they were like, we don't know anything <laughs> the, about space or technology, but we're going to make a movie. Is, is really weird in ways I don't like to. Um, Diamonds are a girl's best friend, or it's one of my favorites. Yeah. Oh. Uh, on that note, actually, let's talk about the villain or villains in the movie. We could certainly talk about Taskmaster yeah, in a second. I, yeah, Interesting that's... little note about her, and I assume this was purposeful. She, The big twist there is she's played by Olga Kurlyenko. Yeah. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. And she was the bond, mm-hmm. one of the Bond girls in Quantum of Solace. So I assume that's part of the reason they Solace. cast her. Solace? Yeah. Solace? No? Solace. Solace? 
Quantum salads. You're not quantum. Quantum of salads. This is quantum of salads. Stop it! This is a nightmare. It's it's crouton of salads. What the fuck? But well, let's talk about that before we get to talk about Ray Winstone. What did you think about Taskmaster in general, and what did you think about the Taskmaster twist in the movie? All right, I really liked a. Pete, you, you can yell for a while. All right, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> Taskmaster is one of those uh, really awesome uh, villains in the Marvel Universe that is very underused or, like, can be frustratingly underappreciated. Like, uh, I was a little disappointed they kind of went with the robot Taskmaster to kind of make him like, oh, I'm scanning, I can't fight yet to type of kind of vulnerability. But it was like... Taskmaster is such a cool villain that they kind of depower so that they can kind of the good guys can win sometimes. Like the fact that like Taskmaster copies the way you fight. So how are you going to fight yourself? Like what kind of moves are you going to surprise even yourself with, you know, like pushing somebody beyond their style is such a cool idea. And it's just Taskmaster is such a badass looking villain and they kind of like, okay, this suit was a little uh, geared up in different ways or whatever, but like, I don't know. I really wanted the Taskmaster from the comic books, and I wanted a little bit more backstory because there is a villain that can be used in such cool different ways throughout the movies, and just having him as this like throwaway villain is a little frustrating because uh, used properly could be used uh, uh, so much better and push. Uh, the superhero beyond themselves, which I, I think is a cool thing. So uh, I was a little frustrated with what they did with Taskmaster. It was cool to see Taskmaster in a movie. The comic book geek in me was losing it. So like, it's hard to complain, but I wanted I wanted more backstory. I wanted cooler things for Taskmaster. It's hard to complain, but that's what podcasts are for. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, it's not that hard to complain. Uh, I actually like the Taskmaster uh, here. I feel like just the slow, meticulous way that the the fights took place was such a different flavor of fight um, that was cool. And I, I like the story. I'm not Pete. You're. I think you love Taskmaster in general um, in the comic books. Um, I really like Taskmaster, but I thought this was a great, great use of the character. Uh, I I think I'm probably about halfway between you guys. I no. didn't love it. I know. I didn't love Taskmaster visually. To Pete's point, it felt a little Green Goblin in the Spider-Man original type of Tobey Maguire Spider-Man fair. movies. But the moves were pretty cool. That one Very shot cool. where they're on the bridge, which that was a brutal fight there. And they both jump the same way when it gets revealed that, yes, Taskmaster is in fact mirroring her moves I thought was great I wanted to see a little more like that you know we got hints of some Spider-Man stuff some Hawkeye stuff obviously some Captain America stuff with the shield Um, I think there is a way to do more Taskmaster like it is in the comics and for those listening who haven't necessarily read the comics it is more explicitly and usually visually indicated what Taskmaster who is a regular human being and not somebody with a chip in their brain uh, is aping there. So I think there's still a possibility down the road. There was also this weird rumor that obviously wasn't true, at least on the version that we saw, that there was a mid credit scene with Yelena handing the chip of Taskmaster to Ross. I don't know if maybe there was an earlier cut of the movie that had something like that, or that mm. was just people lying on the internet. But I, to that end, I think there's still a possibility of bringing back Taskmaster, having a new Taskmaster, something like that. And I think 
emotionally, I liked where the Taskmaster reveal ended up. I thought that was a really good emotional hook for Natasha with it turning out to be Drokev's daughter. It felt like, and this is another one of my big issues with the movie, it felt like it needed another beat. We needed more time in Budapest was Mm. my big takeaway there because we find out about Drokev's daughter. We don't get to see her. We don't get to know her. We don't understand really what she means to Natasha towards the beginning of the movie. So some of that emotional weight, I think, would have been heavier and stickier at the end there if we actually got to see those Budapest sequences versus a hastily stuck in flashback. And I've sort of I wonder if they filmed them or were at least written into an earlier part of the script and were cut because Mm. this movie was big and packed with a lot of things going on. And that feels like a natural cut. It's like, oh, you still get enough of the emotion that you see how it affects uh, Black Widow. But we don't need or, to see this thing. It'd be hard to set that up in the beginning and not know what it means when there are so many other characters they've added to this story. Or yeah. if they're going to kind of save that for later down the line, explore that later, because they keep talking about it. So it seems like it's I, I think this is probably the exploration. It felt not necessarily in a bad way, but it felt very fan service to me because fans have wondered since the Avengers when Hawkeye and Natasha talked about because they remember Budapest. it completely differently. They do remember it differently. So we finally get to touch on that, and that works into the plot. But again, not to harp on this too much, but it felt like, yeah, to your point, Justin, it felt like it needed that sequence of something, getting to see what happened in Budapest so we understand who Drokev is, we understand who the daughter is, we understand what Natasha had to sacrifice, and also you would have had that connective fiber between that great opening sequence getting to see her leaving the Red Room, leaving it in ruins, and then cut to post-Civil War. It felt like that beat, that plot beat was missing there, and that was the thing that felt like, ah, you've seen the other movies, so you don't need to worry about it, when usually Marvel is so good about you don't need to watch anything else. It's gravy if you do, but you don't have to. Yeah. I don't know. I think you're right. And I think... It felt odd because I do think there was enough going on in this movie that they didn't need to have it be so referential. Mm-hmm. But uh, and I, I don't quite understand why. Maybe it just maybe there was some concern that Black Widow as a standalone people were like, well, let's make sure it really ties into everything. So mm-hmm. there's a reason to watch it. But yeah, I mean, just even they were it. even they were even tying in how she said Budapest. You know what I mean? Like they they took time for that. <laughs> they did have a pronunciation beat. Was that a was that a thing back in the day? Like, did people argue about the way they were pronouncing Budapest? Yeah, I think back she was saying Pest, Budapest, and then... Oh, Budapest. did she say it in the movie? It is yeah. pronounced Budapest. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think she was correcting an earlier thing she said in the uh, Okay, all right. Back in the day, meaning Avengers times. Exactly. Um, I thought you meant back in, like, our youth. <laughs> well, we're as old as the Black Widow movie, so yes, That's technically true. that would be our Exactly, one 15. Black Widow old. Mm-hmm. One Black Widow old. Yes. Let's talk about the other villain in the movie, because I've seen a lot of back and forth about him and how effective he was. Ray Winstone as Drakov, the mastermind of the Red Room. Close talker. That guy likes to get in your grill and talk close to you. I, every single shot of him was like that famous shot from Alien 3 of the alien coming up to Sigourney Weaver's face and being like, it's like, it's great. Don't trust close talkers, man. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I didn't mind him as a villain. I don't know what you guys think. Like, I I thought it was fine. 
I thought it was fine too. It was, did did the job. I mean, the Red Room story is the sort of the vil- or the just the Red Room is more the villain and more of the intimidating part. So it's fine. Mm. I think it was fine. I wasn't wasn't heard about it. I mean, it you know it you know it's it sucks to have a bad guy like that who's like controlling all these women. That shit fucking is awful. Uh, but I hope they had a lot of. Uh, I I disagree. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Uh, I, he is I, a villain. See, he's a villain. So it's the movie's no, making I, I, a statement I, I about it. it being bad. I get yeah, it. It's not I like, get this it. is cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I get it. Uh, but yeah, I hope they had a lot of Banak on set because all that close talking had to be tough if you're the other actor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even if when you're the standing. Craft services was mostly garlic based. Oh, so man. it was a problem. You know, well, they had that whole vampire problem while they exactly. were shooting. So, yeah. Budapest. Yeah. Budapest. Uh, I yeah, I thought he was good. I thought like Ray Winstone is a fun actor. I like the close talking. The uh, you would the like plot close stuff talking. at the end was probably a little silly. With it gets unlocked by his ring, and then he gets very easily tricked by Black Widow. To to the point, I think you were making earlier, Pete, about these great Black Widow interrogation scenes. Right. This felt like the bottom one to me because he yeah. should know this. He should be. He should know exactly. <laughs> what he trained her. Yeah. So that he is fooled by this is very, very silly. But up until then, I was fine with him as a menacing presence. And I kind of like the idea of not having a physical threat to Black Widow so much as a mental threat. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And just dealing with her. I mean, she spent all so many of these Avengers movies being like, I have to deal with my stuff. And that felt like, like I was saying, the Red Room and sort of her past as a thing is what was about. I really like the line where Pew says to Black Widow, like, I kept waiting for you and Captain America to burst in and break this shit up. Like, and the, the fact that she didn't know was still going on. That was like a very kind of cool back and forth. Yeah, I so, so that I, was actually. I, the, oh, go ahead, Justin. I was totally unrelated, so you should say your thing. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say the one connection thing, or not even the one connection thing, but the connection thing that, like, was throughout that I thought was actually really smart was their commentary on Black Widow being in the Avengers to that scene that you just mentioned, Pete, I thought was great. The amount of times they brought it up as her being a superhero and leaving her past behind, it those were the parts where I felt like, Scarlett Johansson as an action actress really signed because you could see her shaken the rest of the time. She was this steely reserved black widow going through the motions with what she needed to do. But, but there it really felt more human to me and nice. Yeah. And it f- felt real. Like if my mm-hmm. brother was off hanging out with the Avengers, anytime I would see him, I would bust his balls. Like hey, what's Captain America doing right now? Shouldn't you go hang out? Like I felt like it was a fun <laughs> kind of like sistery thing to kind of do. Well, it sort of had the vibe of like when you go to college and come back home and uh, everyone's referencing how you've been gone and like, oh, what's it like? Oh, you're probably going to, you know, frat parties or whatever. It's like I was just with the Avengers doing stuff. You saw it on TV. Like you don't need we don't need to keep talking about this. And there's a bit of meta commentary there, too, because people do always talk about. You know, you have Thor, who is God. You have Hulk, who is unstoppable. You have Captain America, super soldier, Iron Man in a suit. And then you have Black Widow with a gun and Hawkeye with arrows. What are they even doing there? So, How dare you? I No, this is what people say. I don't say this. Don't I, take their Alex side. Isn't, it's Alex ridiculous. isn't a person. Okay? No. Alex Alex is is a person. to the team, Alex. All right? Hey, Alex I, isn't I, a person. He's a baby. Me being Remember? baby. Me, Wampaba. Uh, that's the creepiest <laughs> 
Alex being a baby is the yeah, worst and thing let me just say that what, what I was gonna say is like we've been talking about babies a lot. Has this teddy bear been here this whole time? <laughs> yes, oh, yeah, it's creeping me oh, out. Is. I just creeping. noticed is its it. eyes falling out. <laughs> it's just like he started behind the curtain and he's slowly mm-hmm. gotten more and more out. Yeah, he wasn't gonna, there at the top of the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm scared now. Attack, teddy bear! Attack. <laughs> uh, so that was very good. Uh, one. One other character we should probably talk about that was, uh, I don't, I thought it was an interesting thing in the movie that I thought they were going to make a little more of, but uh, O.T. Fagbenel as Rick Mason, the guy who gets her all the stuff, who yeah, feels like yeah. her cue in the movie. Um, yeah. I was surprised how much straight up he cue he was. Like, I thought they were going to play him more into the plot. Maybe he turns out to be Taskmaster or something like that. But nope, he was just there and a nice guy. Just a nice guy. That's open. That. You know? Yeah, just generally, I agree. I was sort of waiting for the, the other shoe to drop with him throughout. Um, wasn't there a, a character like that in a recent run of Black Widow, the comic? Maybe. I don't know. I'm, or, I'm kind of stuck the, on the Kelly Thompson run, which took her completely out of her element. Maybe it was one before that. I think it was before that, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know. There have been so many sort of uh, restarts of that, it's hard to remember. But I do think once she had, a, had someone who was like... Her, her cue, her, her, his girl Friday. I, that was another element that made me bummed out that we're not necessarily going to get more Black Widow movies because it definitely felt like I set up for, here's her dynamic. She's got Yelena. She's got her cue. We're going to set up, uh, you know, Thaddeus Ross is maybe like her M or something like that. But nope, that's not what we're getting. Unless, unless we're getting it with Yelena, which I'm sure we can talk about in a second. Well, Yeah. There's definitely something to talk about there. Uh, what else in the movie should we discuss? What other big moments jumped out at you? Pete, uh, seems like you have a bunch of notes. Well, yeah, I got uh, not a bunch, but I got a couple points I wanted to talk about. I I was I was surprised about uh, you know as Justin was saying how funny it was, but I was also very moved by a lot of the stuff, like the Pew uh, saying to Black Widow that like you know, revealing that that was the best three years of her life. Like that might've been fake or whatever, but that was real to me. It was very powerful and very cool. Uh, I also really enjoyed black widow running circles around Ross. Like I could have watched that. Like that was just kind of like a fun kind of a team type of thing where it's like, you've got the stupid, uh, you know, uh, person who works for the government or whatever. And you can just, uh, you know, not even, you know, it doesn't take anything to kind of fool them, which I very much was like, please more of. Uh, but yeah, it was just a nice Wait, kind can of I like, ask a quick question uh, sure. about Ross. Did he hurt his leg in Civil War and I forgot about that? Or was that like William Hurt hurt his leg and then they wrote it into the script? William Hurt. There hurt. You know. <laughs> he hurt Who hurt leg. William Hurt? Yeah. Who hurt the hurt? You can't hurt the hurt. I don't know. That was just um, a weird I don't know. detail. Yeah. there but sometimes you hurt your leg alex it happens yeah. i don't think it does huh no wow. justin what about you any moments you want to call out in particular uh, i love the um crimson dynamo name drop mm-hmm. um yeah. was sort of fun yeah um, those are the weird woolier parts of the marvel comic book universe that i think are fun to reference and Maybe we'll see some more later. Wait, can I just mention, just for those who don't know what that Easter egg is, there was a couple of them. Uh, there is a team called the Winter Guard in the comics, which is the Russian mm-hmm. super team, kind of like the Russian Avengers. And they've had uh, differing uh, makeups, differing team members over the years. But Crimson Dynamo, Dark Star, Red Guardian, Red Widow, Ursa Major, Vostok, Chernobog, and Perun 
are some of the usual members. They are created by Kurt Busiek and Sean Chen in Iron Man number nine from 1998. And we did get uh, the line, as you mentioned, your glory days of the Crimson Dynamo and nobody wants to hear about it. Crimson Dynamo is essentially the Russian Iron Man. Instead, of yeah. course, he's Red Guardian. And there's one more in the prison. Uh, Dimitri. Wait, his name's Dimitri, right? Yes. Good guess. Uh, Good Alexei. Alexei Shostakov. Sorry, is David Harbour's character. Uh, Alexei is arm wrestling a oh. guy, and he says, are you calling me a liar, Ursa? Which is a reference to the big guy who is literally yeah. just a giant the bear. bear. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Go ahead, uh, Justin. <laughs> oh, that's it. Ahead. That's uh, that was uh, it. But that kind of like uh, – uh, uh, talking about that kind of like uh, dad moment where he kind of was like, hey, did he talk about me? And Black Widow's like, what are you talking about? He's like, Captain America. He knows I'm the Russian Captain America. He probably talked. It was hysterical. Harbor all day. Yeah. That was super fun. I loved these wrinkles that they add to the super soldier program here uh, that we find out about with there being a Russian one. Do you think he did actually fight with Captain America in World War II or was he making that up? Felt made up to me, mm-hmm. but maybe, maybe that feels it like, feels like I'd love to see a comedic sequence of him just off to the side and like mm-hmm. out of just out of frame of a Captain America <laughs> newsreel. Yeah. Edit him in that uh, montage sequence from the first yeah. Captain America movie. Exactly. Totally. Let's do it. I'll, I'll get on that right after we jump off here. Oh, fan Sweet. trailer, Alex, fan trailer. No, I'm going to make it. I'm going to put it up. Uh, A couple of other things that I wrote down uh, that I thought were interesting. I mean, you've talked about this quite a bit, Justin, on the podcast, your thing about the whole ledgers thing. And they even had a line in there that felt very meta and commenting on how much they say ledger in the Avengers movie with your ledgers must be dripping, gushing red. I think that's a David Harper line. Um, also, they mention this as part of the movie, but uh, it's I still thought a relatively subtle visual thing. The Red Room soldier designs are clearly old Hydra uniforms mm. from the first Captain America movie that they worked into Red Room uniforms, which I thought was neat. Uh, and we talked about this a little bit. Not only do we find out how Natasha got her vest and how she got her blonde hair in Infinity War, but also how Cap- Capstein got his Quinjet and how they got out of prison, uh, and we even get the Avengers theme as she pulls away. Yeah. A lot of stuff going on there. Yeah, it's fun. Small connective tissue. <laughs> <laughs> kind of unimportant, but okay, it's there. It's fine. Let's talk about the end credit sequence that does happen in the oh, movie. Yeah. We get to see Elena go to Natasha's grave, and who shows up? Aww. None other than Julia Louis-Dreyfus as Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, who we first met in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but we were supposed to first meet here. Apparently, yeah. according to the director, Kate Shortland, the movie has not changed at all. So this is how the scene originally was supposed to be. Otherwise, I certainly would have thought they reshot it, knowing that it would came after Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, but what did you think about this? We get this tease, not only that Yelena is already on whatever team she's putting together, but also that she is directly going after Hawkeye. Uh, what'd you take away from that? It's sort of a weird thing in in light of what we've learned from like Falcon Winter Soldier, uh, the series. Now it's like so if they're if they're working toward Thunderbolts here or Dark Avengers, something like that. Uh, is that a TV product or is it a movie product? And what's going to happen in it? Oh, it's both. It's a transmedia product. That's right. Ooh, it's trans- going to happen on your cell phones mostly. 
Oh, cool. Go 90, That's actually guys. not that weird anymore. Yeah. No, absolutely not. In, in my head, I was thinking about like the old flip phones when uh, like the lost AR thing came out, but oh, that's stop. not what cell phones are like anymore. You're always what? thinking about lost yeah. tie-ins. Yeah, it's almost like you have a little box <laughs> behind you that's just controlling what you're It's saying. so weird. It wasn't actually there at the beginning, but it's been sneaking across and getting close to the camera yeah. the entire time. Yeah. I think Stop. that teddy bear is close. Get that teddy really bear away from closer. you, dude. Get that away from it you. It was much farther away a couple of minutes ago. Oh, my God. Uh, shit, Ursa. Its name's Ursa. Oh, well, boy. it is interesting in terms of the whole connection of the Marvel Cinematic Universe at this point that it used to be you had the mid-credits and end-credits scenes were specifically about the movies. Now you have the TV shows, and this is something that comes out of Falcon and the Winter Soldier and is kicking it to Hawkeye, a show that we don't even know the premiere date yet of other than it's coming in fall or winter of this year, depending on when they're able to finish it. Uh, so that's that's starting to... I don't necessarily feel this way, but I, I think there are some people that are going to see this and feel like, I have to watch all of this stuff. I have to watch these TV, now I have to watch these TV shows as well as these movies. And that might be a little too much for people, potentially. Well, not us. Not us. Yeah. Yeah. Not us, concern, fun boys. <laughs> fun, don't call us fun boys. But it is a lot. It is uh, to ask people to know who Julia the way Dreyfus's character is, who Hawkeye is, who we haven't yeah, seen. You got to go back and watch all of Seinfeld. Okay. Mm-hmm. They even know who she is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. V- you have to watch at least the first season of new adventures of old Christine. Yeah. hundred percent. A lot of 100%. Avengers connections there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and no. of course the series season of SNL that she briefly appeared on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think it, it just the 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 fun part of the end credits was really nice. Like when you get kind of like a cool fun moment where you're like, oh, she's at the grave, and it was like, oh, this is a touching, powerful shot. This is Black Widow's grave, and then to have the nose blow kind of like ruin the moment, and then the camera pan over for the reveal was just comedically fantastic. A really nice kind of like ruined moment by a villain, uh, you know. Like so, I was very excited about it and I and I think they do a good job of like getting you excited for this kind of like evil team that's being formed here. Well, that's a big question and this gets to what you were talking about Justin, are they forming an evil team or is it just sort of a a black ops team? This is something we've talked about on the podcast before. That's kind of where I lie a little bit because Yelena's not necessarily a bad guy. Very weirdly, at the end of Falcon and Winter Soldier, John Walker is not necessarily a bad guy. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, I think he was terrible, but they clearly made some plot machinations to make him sort of anti hero instead. So it's just kind of a team of messed up people who will do go further than the Avengers, is what I take away from that. I agree. It's just who is going to fight them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you would think it'd be the Avengers, but it's not going to be them. And also, it seems right? like, uh, you know, the new Black Widow, when she comes across Hawkeye, a conversation will kind of solve that whole thing of like, actually, I didn't kill her. You know, it was like a whole thing we talked about. So it's like, yeah, you know, let me explain this stupid soul planet that we went yeah, to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Let's hear I hope she kills Vermeer. him. Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. Wow. Vormir. Vormir. We said it wrong on a previous podcast. It's Vormir, uh, not Vermeer. Vormir. Uh, Vermeer is the painter, the guy who did the... Yes. 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 
Don't have veneers. We can get veneers. We're all saying very different things. Oh, okay. Quantum of salads. Oh, my God. Stop crouton that. of salads. Yeah, yes. The crouton of salads. Before we wrap up here, we've sort of already done this, but let's move forward to our vision board where we talk about what's potentially coming next. We have certainly said, or at least I've said several times, no more Black Widow movies. Sorry, that's it. But what do you think? After this comes out, what potentially is next? Are we going to see a Black Widow movie either with Natasha or focusing on Yelena, or is it all heading back to Disney Plus for Hawkeye and beyond? I think the latter. I don't think we're going to see another Black Widow movie, at least not for a bit. And if we do see another one, it feels like it will be a, um, a Yelena movie. Mm-hmm. What about you, Pete? What's your take on it? I'm hoping for both. I hope this opens up and we're getting more Black Eye, uh, Black Widow, like Black Eyed Peas. Yeah, Black Eyed Peas for sure. <laughs> and, uh, where are they at? Oh man, where, where's yeah, the love? That's what I want to know. Oh, man. Where are they at? Um, yeah, so I I want TV shows. I want movies. Uh, more, please, more, more, more. <laughs> there it is. Just a little baby sitting there going, "More Baba, more Baba for me." Oh, stop with the yeah. baby stuff, man. I think I I feel like to answer the question you asked earlier, Justin, about who they're going to fight. Uh, we've talked about this a bit on the podcast in terms of speculation, but I think we're going to get whatever Valentina is up to stringing through the various movies and TV shows. Eventually, we are going to get a Thunderbolts style thing where they're anti-heroes, but we're also clearly getting groundwork for Young Avengers at the same time. And uh, sticking to this theory, I think we're going to get some sort of Avengers war where we have... These Dark Avengers or Thunderbolts, whatever they want to call them. We have the Young Avengers, and then we have whatever the old guard is left coming in and kind of stuck in the middle. So potentially, if you want to blow it out even further, it's a very Civil War-style structure where you head to just all the heroes fighting, everybody in disarray, and that leaves an opportunity for some bigger villain, possibly Kang, possibly... Uh, Al Pacino as Mephisto, you know, whatever you We've want to call it. We've all talked about it. We know yeah. it's coming. Oh. Mm-hmm. To come I think, the I think it's going to take a swerve. I think it's going to start off, you think it's going to be a regular kind of like Dark Avengers setup, but then it's really going to be about creepy teddy bears that just live in the background, and then when the camera turns <laughs> off, they murder. And oh, if geez. the camera's not on, right. how do you catch the teddy bear? I'll never turn the camera off then. Yeah. As long as you never stop podcasting, you'll stay alive forever. Yeah, there We're you pretty go, close at this point now, so let's just <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, I think that is it. We would love to hear what you thought of Black Widow. Definitely hit us up at Comic Book Live, at Marvel Vision Pod, any of the tweeters that we use. Also, you can support the tweeters. Also, you can support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Marvel Vision Pod on the tweeters, Instagram, or Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. Stay marvelous.